Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of the Vintage Church Podcast. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor of Vintage Church, and we just finished a really long series through the book of Romans that we called The Letter. And as we walk through this series, we realized that in order to dive into all the things in every chapter, it would take us much longer than the handful of weeks that we had decided to lean into this book. So we decided we would find a way to go back in and dive into the things that maybe we touched on but didn't hold on to long enough, or maybe even dive into the things that we had to gloss over as we were moving through these chapters of Romans. And so we decided to sit down and have a conversation and lean into these parts of Romans in order to best understand all the things that Paul wanted us to know as he wrote this letter. Now, once again, we're not going to have time to hit everything, or this podcast would be even longer than it's probably going to be, and it's going to be a long one. So take your time, enjoy this on a drive to the beach this summer or as you're traveling. Don't feel like you have to listen to all of this in one setting, because joining me to dive into this book is my good friend, and at times long-winded, our discipleship pastor, Jasmine Denton. Hello, Jasmine. (laughs) Hey, Matt. See, I had my chance to take a shot at you. You got to take your shot. You did not throw away your shot. If you're listening to this and you've never leaned into some of the other podcasts we do, because we have another one that's not usually posted in on this in this space. It's called the Practical Faith Podcast by Venice Church. You can find it on all the platforms. But typically you're hearing Sunday sermon podcasts in this space. And we intentionally put this podcast in this feed yes. because it goes right along with the Roman series that we've been doing. And so Jasmine and I, Jasmine's been doing some prep work because mm-hmm. I basically just said, hey, think about all the things that we leaned into because Jasmine has been at or at least listened to. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe there's a week you were not there in the There was one week that I wasn't in the room. And she takes, she's a avid note taker like yep. a lot of people are. And so she knows what I hit and what I missed. And she actually preached a couple messages in this series And so I said, Jasmine, hey, go back in and give some thought, look at your notes, listen to whatever you need to listen to, and think about the things that maybe weren't the focus of these messages, and let's have a conversation. Ask me questions. Let's have a dialogue, because this book of Romans is so rich. It's so Mm -hmm. deep with doctrine and theological truth and fundamental things to our faith as followers of Jesus. And so... I made the statement several times, we left a lot of meat on the table. And so today we're kind of going to try to eat some of that and dive into it as best we can. And so we're just going to go and start talking, maybe starting in Romans 1 and kind of systematically work our way through. And Jasmine said, how long, before we started recording, how long do you want this podcast to be? I said, I have no idea. So I don't know if we're going to be here for the next hour or two hours or what, but I'm cool with that because I'm a long form podcast guy. Yeah. Well, and I don't mind long form podcasts when it's a good conversation. I don't want to listen to one person talk for two hours. For sure. But, uh, and we're going to just skip over the possibility that one person (laughs) could talk for two hours because I know where that will go. Uh, But yeah, I'm, I'm always up for eavesdropping on a good two-hour-long conversation. So, uh, But before we kind of dive into Romans chapter 1, I want you to have an opportunity, whether somebody didn't hear from the beginning or, uh, I mean, it's been a long time since we jumped into this series, but why Romans and why now? That's a great question. I don't know that I have a good answer to either one of those. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I have felt more led in the last several years to do these expository series. Yeah. And for those people that don't know what that is, it's basically just you pick a book, you kind of, you walk through it 
not necessarily verse by verse, chapter by chapter, but essentially you just pick a book of the Bible and you journey from beginning to end through mm-hmm. it at some pace and in some way. I think it's a great way to preach. I think it forces us as preachers to preach on things that maybe, not that we would avoid, but we sure. wouldn't necessarily prefer uh-huh. or think of to preach on. Right. And when you pick a book of the Bible and you say, okay, we're going to walk through it and then we're going to talk about everything that it talks about, at least on some level, it mm-hmm. forces you to do that. And Romans has been one, and I've said this multiple yep. times on Sundays, that I've thought about doing this this and we've done it before. We sure. did we did through Galatians, we've done through Ephesians before. Even much we did of James. We did James. We've done James twice in yes. the history of our church. Mm-hmm. Uh and essentially some of the other series aren't necessarily expository, but even our forward series mm-hmm. was very much through Rome through excuse me. I can't I've been saying Romans, Romans constantly. Yeah. It was through Exodus. It yeah. was through Exodus and even into to numbers. And you know, it's really giving the opportunity to, to kind of do that. And yeah. so Romans, part of the reason why, so that, so that's why I did this, the sure. why now or why Romans and why now mm-hmm. Romans was, again, Romans is that book, man, that is Paul's masterpiece. It and is. I've always seen it as that. It's yeah. so unique compared to Philippians and Galatians and the other epistles, the other letters mm-hmm. of Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, Romans 8 has always been a chapter that is just, it's a chapter that I read, it's probably at least once a week, if I'm honest, mm-hmm. in it's some portion of it, because it's a, it's a chapter that feeds my spirit with hope. Mm-hmm. And so there's that connection. Romans 12, 1 and 2 was one of the first scripture yep. verses that I ever memorized, mm-hmm. um, and that was as a teenager. And then, honestly, it hits things in our culture right now that I think needed to be hit. Yeah. Especially Romans 1. There's some issues there. There's some doctrinal issues that that I think are, especially modern contemporary church, are choosing not to acknowledge Mm. phrases, words, Mm -hmm. uh, principles. Yep. Whether it be they're culturally offensive or they're widely unpopular. Yeah. And I just felt like the Lord said, you need to talk about this stuff now. And mm. so kind of kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. Roll, roll through this book that you've almost leaned into several times <laughs> and hit on these topics that need to be hit. Yeah. When we walk through a book like this, uh, whether it's Romans or James or, or whatever, what, what do you hope that our church is doing in the meantime? Like that they're not just going Sunday, 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 but what do you hope that they're doing in the meantime, like, and I don't think that there's a, a right or a wrong way to approach it, but would you rather people on the front end, like be reading Romans one and then hear a message through Romans one, or are you hoping they take what, what they hear and then wrestle with it through the week? I mean, I'm sure that it's a both and it's definitely, for sure. it's definitely a yes yeah. to both of those things. Uh, and a lot of it is there are there is such a variety of people on the spiritual maturity spectrum in our church that I don't know what I hope, but what I expect Mm -hmm. is both of those things. Yeah. Those people that are new to faith, those people that are, have struggled to read God's word and understand it, who are intimidated by it. Mm -hmm. They, I think come out the other side and lean in as like response to that teaching. And they're able to hear it in a new way and understand it in a new way those people that are further down the road that have learned these things before, these things have been written on their heart, or they grew up with a with a 
greater exposure mm-hmm. to doctrine and those kinds of things, mm-hmm. probably a more preemptive leaning in. Because I've even had people say when when we were going to preach 8, 9, and 10, <laughs> I can't wait to see how you tackle 8, 9, and 10. Right. And then I've had some people like, man, I'm in Romans 9 this week. And they're like, okay. Uh-huh. Like, what's the big deal? Right. And it's like, obviously, you've never read you've it. You've not read it yet. Uh, and so, yeah, what I hope is is not what I, you know, something I really thought about, but what I expect. Mm-hmm. And I preach through that expectation mm-hmm. of knowing that you are talking to an audience that is on different On that continuum. Planes. Mm-hmm. And so preaching in a way that hits both those audiences in a way that's effective and causes them to walk away mm-hmm. chewing, thinking, absorbing, right. processing, living. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I guess I ask that just because, one, I want people to hear that you don't have to come into these sermons already knowing all of the theology behind it or that you can just leave behind the message that you heard and then just forge forge on ahead. There is definitely a both. And as you mature in your faith, you should be leaning into to both sides of that because there were things that you said that I've heard. I mean, I've heard the scripture before, but hadn't heard that perspective or hadn't heard that take and gave me something new to wrestle with. And even maybe even not something new and we're, we'll get to this in a minute, but just that being encouraged by something that I already knew, and I just needed to hear it mm-hmm. again. And we do. We just need to sometimes hear these things again. Um, and that but- that's what I, I knew needed to happen. You know, there's a, there's a term in our, in our culture right now that when it's most often said has a negative connotation, mm-hmm. deconstruction. Mm-hmm. But I think there's, there's a level of deconstruction that is really healthy and necessary. Yeah. That you're constantly like— why do I believe this? Let's, yes. let's break it down and then build it back up. Yeah. You know, you know, and I think that happened in this series a lot. I've had people I say, you know what? I've always been told this, this. but as we do- dove into the word and you shared your perspective in the context mm-hmm. of, and you saw multiple times, this was a series through Romans, but we referenced other places in the scripture. Yeah. Really frequently mm-hmm. because. Well, Paul references other places in scripture. Oh in yeah. Romans I mean, so he, much. I mean, there's, there's, I think Deuteronomy, he quotes more than anything. Probably, yeah. And, and all of his writings, maybe not necessarily Romans. But, you know, I wanted to deconstruct some of these things because we are a melting pot church. Yeah. And, you know, I'm very, you know, I kind of, I'm kind of anti-label. Sure. I'm kind of anti, well, I'm Calvinist and I'm Arminian, which right. means like I'm on the predestined side, I'm on the free will side. Mm. I'm, and like there's, and the, we've created camps right. that have really, and so I, I hope there was a level of affirmation. Mm-hmm. Uh, moments of deconstruction, mm-hmm. uh, moments of of reconstruction, yeah, and everything in between. Well, and that's who Paul was writing to. He was, and I think that this is why Romans is so unique, is that he was writing to a church that was comprised of Jews and Gentiles. And most of the other churches that he's writing to, he's writing to a largely Gentile population. And here he's saying, look, I need you to see how this doesn't have to be an either or. It's not, we're going to convert everyone to Judaism and then through Judaism, you then you will follow Christ or you have to forsake your Judaism and then just lean into this new covenant. He's saying, I want you to see the beauty of how this works together. And you need to continue to come together through all of these these principles, these doctrines, this, yeah, this grace that we have, you know, and so this is a really great book to speak to 
sort of those camps that we've made. And in that, one thing, I don't know if I ever really talked about the the setting of when Paul writes this. There was a time when the emperor of Rome had kicked all the Jews out of Rome. It. Yeah. yeah. And so they had they had been absent. Yeah. And so the, the Gentiles had been existing without that Jewish perspective or influence yep. or uh, understanding for for like I think it was like five years, mm-hmm. and then right before, right after he wrote, right when he writes Romans, mm-hmm. is when the Jews had just been allowed back, back in. in. So now these Gentiles have been kind of running around free of that Jewish influence, and now mm-hmm. they're reconnected. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine, like right. the Jews are the, like, "Wait, you're not observing Sabbath?" It throws them in a tailspin, yeah. and it creates tension in the church. Mm-hmm. And it's it's in that context that people are getting this letter, and Paul has to have that in mind. Oh, absolutely. as he's writing for sure. Well, because. Priscilla and Aquila, were, that's how he met them. Right. It's because they had been exiled from Rome, yep. and he runs into them. So he he heard their story. He knew what was going on. And I'm sure that when they went back into Rome, that they were still in communication with one right. another. So, yeah, he had to have known, this is, this is who I'm talking to. Um, yeah. It wasn't just... I don't think that he just imagined. I bet this is, I mean, there was probably part of it that yeah. was just that discerning spirit. For sure. But I'm sure that some of it he knew firsthand. Yeah. So. Right. All right. Um, so we are going to start back in Romans 1. Okay. And we're going to walk chapter by chapter. Now, the series didn't go neatly chapter by chapter. In some no. places, uh, you spent a little bit more time. And in some, we covered three chapters in in one uh, message. But you know, through through the conversation, if there's anything that you wish, whether it's you wish you would have framed it differently, which I mean, I don't think that there's any regrets in this, um, or just pick up a few things that maybe you couldn't get into a sermon, or things are like, okay, I wanted to talk about this, but this is just better served in a conversation. Um, I know that we do have lots of words between the two of us, <laughs> uh, so we'll try to get this done, you know, in yeah. a reasonable time time frame. But um, let's just, let's see what. What happens? Cool. Cool? I love it. All right, so we're going to dive in to Romans 1, all right? Um, oh, man. I know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll spend some time here. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about, I want to talk about the gospel. Yeah. That that That's where Paul starts. Mm. And uh, this is where we get that phrase that we have, have clung to, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I love how he says in... Romans 1, 15, he says, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who also are in Rome. And I I kind of hinted at this in the, you know, a few minutes ago, but Paul wants to preach the gospel to people who already knew the gospel. Hmm. That he he's not, this isn't an evangelistic letter right. by any means, but he's saying, I want to come so that I can preach the gospel to you. And that just really struck me in the beginning of, even even for people who believe, even for people who are mature in your faith or, you know, or just somewhere along that, that journey, that the gospel isn't just a one-time hearing, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, and throughout this, this series, that was one thing I think that just really encouraged me was just the hearing again and again and again of, of you saying, this is the gospel. This is what the gospel is. The whole arc of the book of Romans is about the gospel. It's about our forsaking of God's order, mm. of God's wrath then imposed on us and how we have peace with God mm-hmm. through through Jesus and then what we're supposed to do with that. 
Um, and so if, when we say this word gospel, it can mean, it, we think it, that it means a lot of things. Um, I want you to sum up the gospel for us. What is it? Well, I don't know if I'm going to answer your question sure. exactly like you're asking, but one of the things I think in that vein that you're talking about yeah, yeah. is we've always seen the gospel as the doorway in yeah. instead of the vehicle that carries us all the way. It's the whole path. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like like it's not the door. It's the cart. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's it's because it is we, we've kind of said, OK, once you have experienced salvation and what most people, especially in Southern Christianity, right. once you pray to prayer, right, right. somebody told you to pray and you, quote unquote, asked Jesus into, into your, your heart, heart. Mm-hmm. like that's the end of the gospel. And then yeah. now it's about all these other things that are more behavior modification and and, and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think the gospel's super, it's deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Not in its complexity of understanding, but Mm -hmm. in its in its depth of repercussions. Well, and depth of application in our lives. Yeah, Uh, and and I think you know you know I try to I try to somehow reference maybe the gospel and not in its entirely, but this the good news of Jesus. Yeah, like that's the whole thing. Is here's good news. Is the good news is you can be made right with God. And the good news is you're being made right with God is not dependent on your effort, your merit, your background, your ancestry, your lineage, your right. your intelligence. It's it's the good news is you can be made right with God. And the reason why you can be made right with God is because he sent his son, Jesus Christ, fully man, fully God, who lived the sinless, perfect life that you could not live. And he accepted the wrath that you deserve mm-hmm. so that the debt that needed to be paid could be paid. And there's no good news without bad news. The bad Mm -hmm. news is you have been separated with God Mm -hmm. because you have chosen to, as Romans 1 says, exchange God's truth for the enemy's lie in whatever form that is. And that sin has separated and created this chasm between Mm -hmm. you and the one who created you and wants to live in relationship with you. And that gap is revealed throughout the Old Testament and through his law. And it's the, the way that gap is closed is also revealed throughout that messaging. And mm-hmm. now in Christ, through faith, believing that what he did is enough and does restore you, and you have to have faith that he did rise and that it does make it right because there's a reason why we call it faith and not certainty. <laughs> you know, we don't right. call it, we call it faith because mm-hmm. there's a measure of unknown, unknown and uncertainty mm-hmm. that's closed by faith. And in his grace, we look to him, we are made right with him. And yeah, I could keep on going, I guess, mm-hmm. but does that kind of? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it definitely hits on that reason, that need to continually hear and speak the gospel, mm. both toward people who don't yet believe and people who do. Right. And I think that sometimes we reserve preaching the gospel people who don't believe because that's what we say like we're going to go into the world and share the gospel we need to share the gospel with people who don't believe right but we who do believe we still need the gospel well and the reason why we walk around in such shame and and oh, guilt and yes and fear at times is because we don't think about it or talk about it enough mm-hmm. um it knowing the gospel gives us the clearest picture of the heart of God. Yeah. It's in the gospel you see his character, his nature, his desire, his design. Like yeah. It's all revealed in the gospel and mm-hmm. understanding it properly. And that's why Paul is trying to say, 
I want to preach the gospel to you. And you think about that, like, I want to make sure that you know it right. Yeah. Like there was, you almost see him, I mean, even in Galatians, he says, if anybody else gives you a gospel that you didn't hear from me, it's not a gospel gospel at all. all. Yeah. And so as much as I love you, church in Rome, as much as I hear about all these amazing things that you're doing, I need to make sure I need to make sure you know. Yeah. Because, and and think about the, that, that I, I need you to know more than anything, the true, pure, accurate gospel. Yeah. Because when I die, I want to make sure there's somebody that's going to keep handing this from generation to generation right. to generation. Yeah. And you you hand a false gospel to the next generation and this thing won't last. Mm. And so yeah. that was Paul's mission. And, you know, we, we, we talk about in the church the deep things and all this deep doctrine. And I get sure. that. Absolutely. I understand that. Because all— most of those doctrines are centered in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that's the place we go sideways when we try to generate doctrine not looking through the lens of the gospel, mm. looking through the lens of tradition, uh-huh. looking through the lens of scholars and men right. who have sure. written and said all these things in denominational camps mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. And Paul's like, always think of everything. Like the gospel is the foundation of all the other things that we believe. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you land in a doctrinal position that in any way moves a piece on the board of the gospel mm-hmm. or strips away, you've heard me say it before, if you weigh it down or water it down, yeah, you can't do either. You can't weigh down the gospel with unnecessary things, and you can't water it down by pulling stuff out and diluting it, mm-hmm. things that are important. Mm-hmm. And so much of his writings— and he takes 11 chapters to <laughs> to essentially, he says in 11 chapters what you can say in three sentences. Yeah, when you even said that, I think it was Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, yeah. basically sum up Romans 1 through 11. And that gave me great comfort mm. to know, you know, that sometimes more words are fine. <laughs> <laughs> because now he's kind of giving you the why and the what. He is, At yeah. the same time. Well, because these people needed to hear 11 chapters worth of that explained. And as you were talking about the word gospel, the the image that I had in my mind was like a healing balm that needs to be mm-hmm. continually applied, but then hit in those like those wound places that haven't been addressed. That w- within this body there were these wounds, these cuts of division. And it's the gospel that has to continually be applied in those places for there to be healing, for there to be unity, for there to be understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we do need to keep hearing it because it is that balm that you, it's like face cream. You have to continually apply it for it to, for it to work, mm-hmm. you know? And there are some places that you need a little bit of, of a deeper mm-hmm. healing, a more potent you know, medicine yeah, or good. serum or whatever. And that the gospel is all of those things. It is that we need this continually every day. But then there's also some places like this needs to get deep because there are some deep wounds and there are some deep things that you have been taught, that you have experienced, that you have you have thought is truth because it is true in your life, mm. but it is not true as far as what God says this is who you are. This is your identity. This is who I have named you, and right. this is who I have made you. Um, and so that gospel is that thing that continually just, I'm, I mean, nobody can see me doing this, but I'm sitting here like ru- rubbing my hand into the air. 
applying this this balm of gospel. Mm. Um, but Romans one was that's a really interesting place to uh, to start your letter, um, and got us into the most watched uh, sermon from this series. Um, I just confirmed on YouTube this morning. Did you really? Imagine I did. That. Imagine. Uh, it got us into the exchange that we have exchanged God's truth for a lie yeah. and the implications of that. So let's first talk about that exchange. Mm-hmm. Because when we talk about exchange God's truth for a lie, uh, the way that it's written in Greek, it's not a lie, it's the, the lie. lie. So yeah. we need to address what is mm. the lie that we have exchanged the truth for. Yeah. Go. Okay, I want so to hear your take on that. All right, yeah. So the the lie is the the original lie, right. the first lie. The did God really say? Right. Is this is this really what God wanted? Is God is withholding something from you and there is something good that you could have mm-hmm. and God doesn't want you to be like him or know like him or right. think like him or be like him and he like he's holding out on you. Mm-hmm. You should not trust God. You should lean into your own understanding. Yeah. And you should take yeah. what has not been given yeah. to you. And you're right. Every yeah, every sin lie. is rooted in the same thing. Yeah. And ultimately it's 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 idolatry. Yeah. It's allowing something uh-huh. other than God to be God. Correct. The enemy comes to Adam and Eve. You don't need him. You don't need him. You can do this for yourself. He yeah. doesn't want you to be like him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want you he knows that if you do this, that you won't need him anymore. And yeah. that, and so, you know, and that's why I've said even I think as recently as this past Sunday is the the devil is crafty mm-hmm. and clever, yeah. But he is not creative. Hmm. I mean, he's got the same, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the same. The root of the, of every temptation yes. is the same thing. Full, and you know, at the same time, fulfill this natural desire mm-hmm. in an ungodly way. Yes, you're hungry, mm-hmm. eat this. You're curious, do this. Mm-hmm. And like every time, like these God, the enemy tries to come in and leverage these natural desires. It was natural. Here's the thing. Any God never said he said don't eat from that, but he never said you can't ask me. Yeah. He never said yep. if you want to know something, I'll withhold I'll, it from you. Right. You know, like he, he didn't do that to keep us He just said don't take ignorant. it. Ignorant. Yeah. God had no desire to keep humanity in ignorance. Right. He wanted to be the source yeah. of all that information and all that knowledge. Yes. And so their curiosity of to know mm-hmm. was not sinful. Right. To operate and try to find that knowledge in a way that God had clearly forbidden is where they went wrong. And I think some people need to hear that. It's like you have desires in you that are okay and they're natural Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And not every one, because we have Mm -hmm. sinful desires, especially now that we're in this broken state. But they're all rooted in something that you actually do need. Yeah. Yeah. And so that... And I don't think I made that clarification mm. that Sunday. And that's that, that's a whole nother sermon is, yeah. you know, and maybe even that that desire that you think is desire is rooted in a deeper desire, yeah. whether it be a loneliness yep. or a just the overall, you know, you were created to long for God. You need God. Yeah. And at, ultimately, a lot, most of those decisions, if not all, are try to, is to try to fulfill that God crater Mm-hmm. in our lives that is absent without intimacy with him. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, the thing that I hear a lot in our culture now is this idea of my truth. Well, it's my truth. 
I believe this to be true. And so we're exchanging the truth of God for not a lie. We're exchanging the truth of God for our truth. And and I, I think there are things that, yes, it is true of your experience. Yes, yeah. you truly did feel that. You truly did think that. Yes, it is true as far as what you have experienced. Right. But if it does not, if it in any way rubs up against what God says Mm -hmm. is true of you or is true of his design, then you need to do some, some wrestling of who, okay. In that case, who is God? Yeah. You or God? Yeah. Yeah. There, there is a, it comes down to that. And I think there's a lot of stuff at play in this chapter is the more often than not, we serve the God of our emotions. Mm. And, we let our emotions when people, and I think that's very true when people say that the emotions that are born out of the experience that become the ruler Mm -hmm. and the dictator of our perspectives and our behavior and all those kinds of things. Yeah. And which is why it's super important to, you got to have a standard of truth to come back to. Mm -hmm. And which is why the Bible is such an important thing that we can't untether our faith from it. We can't disconnect ourselves from it. Correct. Because there has to be a standard. There has to be a source. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that moment and you're saying, okay, here's what I'm feeling, here's what I'm experiencing, all that's very real, mm-hmm. I've got to have some place to go to to filter it and to understand what I'm supposed to do with it. Yeah. Because, okay, this is what I feel. This, this is what my emotions are telling me, but this is what I know God's word says. Yes. And it doesn't make those emotions any or less real, real. but it mm-hmm. helps shape what I do with them and how I respond. Yes. Oh, that was very well said. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Because I'm not asking anybody to, to, if you say you feel it, what you feel is real. Yeah. You really feel that. Yes. But just because you really feel it doesn't mean that it has to be the rule. It doesn't mean yeah. it has to be the pilot. Right. In that moment. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so within chapter one, a big um, piece of it is God's wrath. Mm. And uh, this is one thing that I found interesting and also chilling at mm-hmm. the same time was how God's wrath is handed out. Because when I think about God's wrath, I mean, I think about lightning bolts and flames consuming people and earthquakes cracking open the ground and swallowing people up. Like when I think of God's wrath, that's what I think of. But mm. Romans 1 paints a very different picture of what God's wrath looks like. Mm. And it, to me, is so much more terrifying. Um, so I want to read. This is uh, Romans 1, verse 18. Mm. It says, For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. Okay, so we're talking about God's wrath is revealed against the people who suppress truth. Mm. And then this is their punishment, which is, he sort of goes on. And then in verse 24, it says, therefore, God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts. And, uh, and we see that, uh, that phrase over and over. For this reason, God delivered them over uh, to their disgraceful passions, that God's wrath wasn't revealed in like a smiting but God's wrath was revealed in saying, okay, I'll let you do what you want to do. Yeah. I will, in a sense, remove my hand. Yeah. And I will let, I'm going to let you believe what you want to believe. Mm. And not in a, like, 
I don't know, a haughty way. I'm going like, to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what you want, and I'm let's see how you like it. Not, you know, like, like in a gross way, but right. just in a, I'm going to let you live by your rules. Yeah. And let's, let's see who makes and the better God. Yeah. 100%. Um, and, and I even, I wrote down that, um, we will suffer much away from God's hand. Um, that I just think, I don't want to know what my life looks like without God's hand on it. Mm. Like that to me is the terrifying thought. Yeah. Yeah. Not because I think God, not because I think that there's like some kind of great earthquake fallout situation, but because of I know the love that mm. is holding me up. Mm. I know the grace that has gone before me. Mm. Um, I know the mercy that I've experienced and not getting what I absolutely deserve. Mm. If I had to pay the price for my sins, mm. I know what that would look like. Right. And and so I think that it's interesting that, and I, I mean, I see it in our world today. I think that God's wrath has been handed out in this way mm. very, very much. That in a lot of ways, God has said, okay, yeah. if this is how you want to be. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to fight you for you. Yeah. Forever. And that you know? and that's a a pattern. Yeah. That you see in God all throughout the scriptures. Mm. All throughout thousands of years mm-hmm. that are recorded in scripture. And you know, we'll revisit this later on in Romans when he talks about Pharaoh and he talks about yeah. you know all the other things that are there. Yep. Is is this this handing over to you know I'm I'm not forcing this upon you. Yeah. I'm giving you what you've already yeah. just made clear that you want. Yeah. And again, that reveals so much about God's desire for us and the the genuine relationship that he wants mm-hmm. with us and his and even even in his wrath you see his grace. Mm. You see his <laughs> yeah. his 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 letting go. And, yeah. and and in that, that's not out of anger. That's a, that's when God has to let go, I don't think he's angry. I think he's heartbroken more than anything. Sure. I mean, I, I know that there, there's a, there's a righteous anger that God has and there's right. a part of that wrath. But, you know, I think there's also that, that broken heartedness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you see it in the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. The, the younger yeah. son wanted out yeah. and the father didn't try to control him right. or bribe him to stay. Was, if this is what you want, yeah, you can have it yeah. and go. Uh, okay, so uh, let's talk about sex. <laughs> wow. No, we're not going to talk about that. Uh, but we are going to talk about. The house. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we're going to talk about sexual ethic. Yeah. Um, because you said here. This is where it got fun that day. Yeah, this is super fun. It's a great day. Uh, that our sexual ethic has to be shaped by scripture and not by culture. Yeah. Um, that was not a direct quote. P.S. Yeah. I have close. it right here. Our Go sexual ahead. ethic must be shaped by scripture, not our emotions mm. or our culture. And yeah. I very intentionally brought both of those words in. Good. Yeah. Because I think part of mm. our abandonment of what I believe scripture mm-hmm. clearly says oh, yeah. about sex is rooted in an emotional attachment yes. to someone mm-hmm. that we deeply care about. Mm-hmm that to take that stance has repercussions in that relationship mm-hmm. or maybe in 
we feel in their eternity, mm-hmm. and we don't know how to process that. Right. So in that emotion, it's easier just to say, all right, I got to find a way mm-hmm. to for this not to say that. Right. Well, and even because for— Because if this says that, my heart can't take what it means for that loved one or right. for— Or even for myself. Yeah. 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 That— and Because of your own emotional proclivities and leanings. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. How difficult is it to preach this kind of message? You know what? It's to me, it's not Romans nine, ten, and eleven was much more difficult hmm. than Romans one. Yeah. And the reason why is because it's 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 harder to preach the things that have some measure of nuance and ambiguity in them. Mm. And whether we want to realize that or not, there's things in the Bible that are nuanced and a little bit ambiguous. Yes. There are things that you can use multiple scriptures to land in multiple different places on Mm -hmm. the same subject. Yes. And that's not because God is a God of confusion or whatever. There's Mm -hmm. just a lot of context and culture and different things. You preaching is a good one. Mm, you can yeah. I, there, people can lean into Absolutely. some scriptures to say that you shouldn't do it, and I can lean into some scriptures that very clearly say it's more than okay. Right. Um, to me, mm-hmm. the, the issue of sex, sexuality, homosexuality, marriage, mm-hmm. it's kind it's of clear. Genesis to Revelation. Yeah. And so, and I know there are people that maybe even listen to this that would very much disagree. Right. And I would be glad to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think from Genesis to Revelation, and that's where you draw hard lines. Yes. When there's, an, there's a rule without exception. In other words, you say, okay, there is nowhere in Scripture that you can, can really intellectually, mm-hmm. integri- with integrity, yeah. argue right. this position. And for me, homosexuality, and so we talk about non-essentials and essentials. I will put homosexuality and marriage in my essential hand. Yeah. Because... It's it's such a, it's Genesis to Revelation. Right. When you start to separate that things, you start to mess with the whole order and design. And yes. And there's there's deeper ramifications than just mm-hmm. the concept of sexuality, mm-hmm. because that sexuality is more than just a physical act. Right. It has spiritual repercussions, mm-hmm. and there's just different things there that are that are present. And so that's a long way to say no. It, it it's much harder for people to hear and. Yeah. It's heavy, but it's not hard. Yeah. You know, and I... I want to say, like, I was proud of you. (laughs) But I even think I... I think you came off the platform that Sunday, and I was like, I'm... Mm. I think I said that to you. Like, I'm so proud of you. I'm proud that we um, handle the truth in love. Yeah. And and that's the thing is, it's... um, And I heard... Uh, a pastor, John Tyson, say this lately, it's unkind to not preach the truth. It's unkind to not preach about these these things. Love that does not delight in evil. It rejoices with truth. With the truth, exactly. And that we need to answer these questions. The church, the, People are looking for the answer to these questions. And if the church won't be bold enough to say, this is what scripture says, yeah. this is the answer, yeah. they will find another answer somewhere. Right. And so, uh, and, you know, I think to say, and you said it a few minutes ago, this is what scripture says, Genesis to Revelation. And I know you might land somewhere differently. And I'm happy to have that conversation with you. That's the thing is this isn't just like, if you don't disagree, you can, you know, peace out. It's if you disagree, I would love to know why. Let's sit down and talk about it. And I've seen you, like I've watched you sit down with people and walk with people through this. And sometimes it's like, oh, 
a, a place of understanding or sometimes it's a, yeah, like I still just don't see this. Yeah. And the church, especially in that realm of homosexuality and, yeah. and a lot of things in sexuality sure, sure. from from sure. people who've had premarital sex that kind of stuff yes we have definitely elevated sexuality above all the other sins and now i'll be the first to tell you i do believe that sexual sin has a deeper earthly ramification for mm-hmm. sure that you know all sin has the same eternal consequence right. not or it all sin has the same eternal penalty but all sin does not have the same earthly consequence yes let's just be honest yep if you if you steal a candy bar there's one thing than if you murder somebody. That's so we can't really argue that that's a reality. Correct. Um, and sex has a deep ramification, and God intended it that way. Mm-hmm. And because of its its ramification, there's a reason why He's designed it for how He has. Mm-hmm. But whether it be fear or, I think part the church's part to blame. I think at times, you know, the homosexual homosexual community is part to blame with some of the tensions there. Like every, there's blame on all around right. for the tension that's created here. Um, and at the same time, I need to say, I, I have to say this, but I also want people that are homosexual to come to our church. Well, they do. 100% I want them to come to our church. <laughs> yeah. And just like I want, everybody to come to our church. If I only wanted people to come to our church that agreed with me, our right. church would suck. Yeah. And it would not be a gospel New Testament church. Right. And and it's like and, well, and, and if you said if you sin, you can't come to our church. Nobody, nobody would be, here, would be including here, including me. Correct. And so, and and I've said this throughout the series. We can't decide which sinners yeah. we let in and which sinners we we, we keep, keep out. out. Mm-hmm. And um, and I know this is emotionally charged. Oh yeah. I know we live in a culture where identity and sexuality are deeply tethered to one another mm-hmm. at this point, and that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, I, I've I had a lesbian business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty prominent in, in our area. Um, I've sat down with her mm-hmm. probably four times and it's a great conversation and mm-hmm. and it hurts my heart because I see the heartache in her eyes that like I'm not moving from this. Yeah. And very firm, sees some of these passages in ways that I that I don't see them. Mm-hmm. Um and that's the thing with me, is that sometimes people have tried to say that, well, no, Rom- Romans is talking about men with boys, or it's talking about right. a forced sexual encounter and that kind of stuff. And when you when you dive into the original languages and you study it deeply, the things that people have tried to say this verse says in order to landing a different position on homosexuality, I can't find. Mm-hmm. It just honestly, I can't find. Right. And I have to give an account to God for I can't say something that's contrary to God's word or contrary to my conscience mm-hmm. and what I believe God's word says. Right. Um. How. How would you counsel us as people who live in this world? Mm-hmm. How do we, how do you hold that sexual ethic? Like, let's say you, you either, whether it's premarital sex in a heterosexual or whatever, like right. how, how would you say like, okay, I know that the world says this, but this is what I encourage you to do. Like in, in the here and now in your everyday life. How do how do we how do we operate? You know, I think for one thing, it's we have to understand how and when to bring that issue to the forefront Mm. in relationships with people. Mm. Um, That, like, if I hang out with somebody who believes differently in this camp. I don't make that the forefront of the conversation. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't I don't think, it's like, 
that doesn't always have to be the topic that we that we lean into. Mm. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of there, there's some things. There's a lot of things that we believe in that have to be addressed in the context of relational equity. Mm. What do you mean by that? Trust. Mm-hmm. Um, people who, who who know you love them despite who they are. And that's why I love when, when people, there's sometimes people will ask this question before they step into our church. Sure. What's your stance on this? Right. And I hate that because mm-hmm. it's like, I know I'm about to close this door. Mm-hmm. But when people come to our church and they feel loved on and they come to me and they say, well, you know, we're gay. I'm like, yeah, I knew you were gay. I've known you gay the whole time. Right. Well, you've been really nice to us. Well, of course I have. Right. Um, and there's in and, and that relational equity that I already knew this about you and I still loved you and I still honored you and mm-hmm. I still treated you with respect and I still see, tried to help you understand that you're wanted here and that you're valued. Mm-hmm. And now when that conversation comes up, it's like you already that identity piece has started to dissolve a little mm. bit. It's like, you're not attacking my identity. Right. You're addressing my sexuality mm-hmm. because you know my identity and you've loved me anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, and I know we, we don't always get that opportunity. Right. Um, but relation, relational equity is a huge part of dispensing truth into people's lives. Mm. And And that's why when somebody say, well, when I meet somebody the first time, or I barely know somebody, I'm not going to address some, some certain issues. Right. And that's not because I'm not bold. Right. Or because I don't feel a sense of urgency. I just I want to be effective. Yeah. And I've I've seen I've I've seen that that window shut before it ever even got open. Yeah. And so you know when you're operating in the world, understanding the the process through which you earn the opportunity. And see, sometimes we think because we're right, we don't have to earn it. Oh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, no, I'm right, so I can go ahead and say this to you. Yeah. Um, when you even said. You want to make a point or you want to make a difference? Yeah. And that's not original to me. That's probably I heard somebody say. I don't know who it was. Sure. But, you know, it's like just because you're right doesn't mean you don't have to earn it. Yeah. Doesn't mean you don't have to earn the opportunity and the respect that affords you the chance to be heard in a way that people will listen. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. All right, let's move into Romans 2. We're 46 minutes in and we're not, I knew this, this was going to be a two-part podcast or more. All right. Okay. So in Romans 2, we switch language. We go from talking about them, they, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Paul basically says, oh, yeah, P.S., it's not just them, it's you. And he starts using this you uh, language. So, um, You preached part three, didn't you? No, I preached I preached in Romans 4. Which was part two, wasn't it? Was it not? Oh, no. No. I'm pretty sure the little part four was Romans was Romans 4. Well, you went through, so part one was Romans 1. Uh-huh. Part two was Romans 1. Part three was, yeah, was Romans 3, and then part four was Romans 4. Because I moved into Romans 3 in Yeah, listen, part two. we've not even gotten out. We're, we're just now getting into part, what, two? Part three? I don't know where we are. In part three, we, we, we moved into Romans, to Romans three. 3 because, again— yeah, I think I wanted to point out that he makes that transition. Yes. But, hey, I'm not talking about them dirty yeah, yeah, yeah. sinners, just them 
homosexual people or them, whatever label, whatever thing that that makes you so angry and and self-righteous and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like I'm also talking about you, you. are they. You are them. You <laughs> yeah. is them. You is they. <laughs> um, that was, yeah. Okay, I remember you saying that phrase, the you is they. Um, because this, so this book was written to Jews and Gentiles in Rome. Uh, a lot of, a lot of division around like who's in, who's out, who's the center, who's not, uh, what makes somebody in, what kicks somebody out. Um, and that's something that as we read through Romans that even as I was reading through, I was like, okay, wait, who is, who are, who is them and who is you and who am I, you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. who, when, when Paul's talking in Romans, where do I see me? Like, mm. am I the Gentile? Am I the Jew? Mm. Because I'm, I mean, obviously I'm not Jewish and but at the same time, a lot of this is sort of this like traditionalist, legalist versus mm. very free will, you know, whatever. And th- that's something that I had a hard time with was how do I discern in Romans? Like, where's Paul talking to me? Hmm. Yeah. I think that's kind of the beauty of the way he writes is... Although he is he is at times pointing to different people groups and mindsets, it's always they is always we we and me mm-hmm. um, because it comes back to what we said earlier. It's all rooted in the same things. Mm-hmm. It's just manifested in a different way based on the tradition in which they grew up. Mm-hmm. So, like you know, the Jews, you know, because of your upbringing, you land here. Gentiles, because you're upbringing, you land here, but it's all rooted in the same brokenness. Mm. In the same, it's all coming from the same gap. Right, y'all all climbing out of the same hole. <laughs> it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, and so, like, mm. it's it's and but it's easy to kind of project, especially when you're Jew. And Jew, you think about the religious system that you grew up in, and mm-hmm. the the preconceived and the mm-hmm. the things that are hard to kind of break away from, whether they're true or they're not. And so, like, it's. Yeah, it's it's yes. It's yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So one thing that comes up in Romans 2 for the first time is the word justification. Mm. Uh, and we sort of got into that in the latter part of Romans 2 and in Romans 3. And I love the way that you broke down that word justification or justified just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justified means. Yeah. It means like I'm the sure slate has been. Some professor or something sure. at some point pointed that out to me. Well, yeah, but I mean, I heard it in multiple places. Mm. I read it in commentaries. I heard it in other sermons. So like, this is a pretty, pretty widespread Mm. thing, but I'd never heard it before until, yeah, Yeah. until you said it. And I was like, oh yeah, that does make sense. And then I started seeing it in places. Um, And that's such a hard thing for us to, Mm. to believe, honestly, because we in our humanity can't forget. Yeah. You know, where where God has that ability to cast our sins, like as far as the East is from the West, uh, that he does forget mm-hmm. and we don't. And so I think, you know, a lot of times we we operate maybe in the hope that, yes, God has forgotten, but. I love the language he, of the way that is. Yes. That he chooses to remember no more. Mm-hmm. That there's a difference between like like forgetfulness. Right. As in like, I forgot you were coming today. You know, it's like it just kind of fell out of your mind. Yeah. 
As in, no, God has made the intentional decision to no longer remember. Yeah. Because God is more incapable of forgetting than we are. He's God. Right. You know, because he He knows it before. He, right. But it's like he He chooses to remember no more. Hmm. Uh, and I've, I've always used I that word that. forgotten. And I've gotten where I stopped. Uh-huh. That like, you know, and I've even said stop letting the enemy remind you of what God has forgotten and all those kinds of right. things. But sure. again, the beauty of that phrase Makes me want to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. He chooses to remember not. He chooses to remember no more. Hmm. Like the God has intentionally decided, I'm not going to remember that I'm anymore. Remember it. I'm not going to hold it against not, you. Yeah. 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 Um, I love that. And, um, oh gosh, there's so much. <laughs> now I'm like, okay, wh- where do we do we just keep going in Romans too? Um, but he's, you know, he talks. He's talking about the Jews, and basically the Jews thought that because they were circumcised that they were immune to God's judgment, that that was their, their sort of, their ticket out, their way of saying, like, we're in, we're good, we're in the clear. Like, why are you, Paul, are you coming down on us for judgment? Like, we're, we're Jews. Like, we're, we're good. We've got the law. Yeah. And we're circumcised. Yeah. We're in. We're fine. Right? And, um, but Paul's like, he basically says, like, but you're being hypocrites. Mm. Like, you, and says, like, your outward circumcision circumcision right. does you no favors. That true circumcision isn't something that's visible in the flesh. It's of the heart. It's by the spirit. It's not by the letter of the law. Mm. Um, and he says, you know, that you, you were circumcised. Like, you're judging all these people, but you rob temples. You, like, you're basically doing the things that you're telling other people not to do so why do you think yeah. that you're not going yeah. to be judged yeah like you also need to be justified and it's not going to be an outward sign yeah that that gets you that justification because right. I mean, you think about if you go back in the old testament think about what circumcision did right it was a sign of a covenant yes a commitment a commitment a connection between abraham mm-hmm. and god yeah and again it's like you can put a wedding ring on Right. But it doesn't mean that you are going to live with fidelity right. and commitment and honor and right. compassion that just because you slipped on the wedding wedding ring, just because you had a wedding ceremony, right? like that's all well and good and those things are important and mm-hmm. they serve as markers, but it's the covenant. It's the thing behind the thing yeah. that God was looking for. And that's why he says in verse 20, you know, 229, but a Jew is one inwardly, and yes. circumcision is a matter of the heart because a covenant is something that, like you, it's an internal decision. It's an internal commitment. It's a, it's something that you have decided mm-hmm. to lay down out of service and honor to the one that you're now bonded with. Mm-hmm. And, again, that imagery yep. is there. Yeah. A lot of this plays into, I mean, in other parts, like this is— for sure, a very cohesive letter because there's some mm. stuff in here about, you know, um, like now in the new covenant of Jesus, baptism is that outward sign. Right. Um, but again, just because you go through the waters of baptism doesn't mean that you you're are, committed to Christ. That you're committed to Christ. Like it's about an inner life. It's yeah. an inner posture yeah. that you have in, in always in continuing to, to know and love and follow God. Right. And, um, you know, Paul talks about that in Romans 7 also, that there's this, it's not just what you do, but 
why you mm. do that inner mm-hmm. heart that that matters. So I just out of curiosity, um, here's I, I have a lot of voices. Uh, <laughs> what so what does that inner life look like? It's a great question. Not because I want you to give us a checklist because that's not a good thing. But you know that because I think that we sometimes freak out. You yeah. know, like, oh gosh, I, I guess I said the sinner's prayer. I do believe in Jesus. I got baptized, but am I doing this right? Like, what am I, you know, Matt keeps saying like that you have to have the right heart. Well, I don't, what, and we can get kind of. Just the fact that you have that, the ask that question reveals something. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Not like you ask that question, but when you, if you're wondering, God, am I getting this right? Mm-hmm. God, am I honoring you? God, am I pleasing you? Mm-hmm. The very fact that there's that you something want to know in the you answer <laughs> that wants to honor God says something has happened. Mm. Because you know, there's people that I know that have gone through the baptism water and they could care less. Sure. And they're and and you know, so again, that's not the the a comprehensive answer to your question. But but I, I have conversations yeah. with, with people all the time and they're like, Man, I just want to know that I'm honoring God. How do I know I'm honoring God? I said, dude, the very fact that you're asking that question, mm-hmm. the very fact that like, and, and not just asking it, like wrestling You actually with it. want to know. Yeah, like there's something yeah. in your spirit that is so different now that you want to, that you so desire to bring honor and glory to God mm-hmm. that you're wrestling with that question. And now it can probably transition into a really super unhealthy, insecure Absolutely. kind of place. But that's the first fruit. Mm. Of something shifting in your heart, yeah. Because I'll say, you know, two years ago, did you give a crap, right? Whether or not you're honoring God with your money, or whether yeah. or not you were honoring God with the way that you loved your wife, or you were honoring God with, did you even think? Did you even think about this stuff? Right. The very fact that you're asking that question mm-hmm. is evidence mm-hmm. of something happening in you. Yeah. Um, and now. The details of that, I mean, I can give you the preacher answer, the fruit of the spirit and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, love start to be produced in your life mm-hmm. and, and you know, sacrifice and, and all this kind of stuff. And again, keep it in mind that like we, we start moving into this space and we start, you know, things that produce sin and things that are produced, I mean, things that, things that produce salvation and things that are produced from salvation. Yes. And understanding like you got to make sure that. Yeah. Nothing produces salvation, but salvation does produce things in our lives. Yeah. Like that whole understanding that, that, that distinction. Um, I don't know that I can give like a full. Well, but I think, you know, I think that first thing that you hit on is key that if, if you're wondering about it. Yeah. If you're wrestling with it. Wrestling. Wrestling with it. I mean, that's where I think of Jacob. It won't leave you. Yes. It won't. Yeah. Like you're not satisfied. Yeah. It's not like, okay, I figured it out now. Right. I, well, and that you're you'll you'll wrestle it and then you're gonna do something yeah. with it. And then you're gonna wrestle. Uh-huh. And then, and you're, then you're gonna, gonna do. Yeah. yeah, and it's that continual that's the you know, we talk about that and you've said it so many times and I wish that I could quote you very well right now, uh, that following Jesus won't make your life easier. Right. It'll make it better. Right. And that guarantee of yeah, it's not gonna be easier is because even within God, there is a wrestling Mm -hmm. and there is, there's a continual wrestling down of, of our own preferences, our own, uh, proclivities, our own inclinations in submission to what God says should be our identity, what we should desire, 
because not because of a rule, but because of what he wants for our life. Yeah. And um, and then our ability to say, okay, I will submit to you. Right. Um, and that's not easy. That's a li- that's a, a little death of yourself. Right. Over and for over. Sure. Um, so we move into. We've been going for an hour now. I'm watching. I'm watching the time. <laughs> There's no way we're going to get through all this We will podcast. not. Listen, if we get through Romans 8, I'll be good. I don't think that's going to happen. We'll I see. don't know that my time is going to allow. I have an appointment. Okay. That at some point we're going to, yeah. Okay, cool. You just you wrap it up when all you right, need cool. to. Okay? All right. Uh, so in Romans. Are y'all still there? Hello. Are you still listening? If you're still listening. Say hello if you're still there. You know, it's funny. There's somebody <laughs> in the car now. Hey, y'all. Hey, guys. I'm still here. <laughs> um, all right. So Romans 3. In Romans 3 to Romans 4, Paul starts this very skillful diatribe where he sort of asks these questions and then he answers these questions. And I love it. This feels like a courtroom drama. I I love courtroom mm-hmm. stuff, whether it's a TV show or a movie or a good, you know, John Grisham novel. Like, I want it. I want, you know, the objection overruled. I love it. I think it's fantastic. And Paul is very skilled mm orator uh in like he he knows he heads off misunderstanding at the pass he he does and he because he is not there yeah to answer the questions he knows he's gonna get right. and so he anticipates these questions um and there's you know there is a lot of courtroom language yeah used through here um he's sort of the lawyer mm-hmm. and he calls uh sort of to the witness stand the law and the prophets he um, uses words like justified, condemned, guilty, judged, attest, law, charged, credited. All of these things are words that you would hear mm-hmm. in court. Right. Um, two words uh, that are used in a court of law would be um, accuser and advocate. Mm. And throughout scripture, um, oftentimes the word that's translated into English as enemy or Satan is actually the word accuser. Mm. And so you do sort of have this, this sense of Satan is the one who is coming before God and accusing mankind of sin, of saying they're, they have done wrong. Like they are owed to me. Like they are mine. They're in my dominion. They have whatever, I'm accusing them. And then we see the Holy Spirit is called our counselor mm-hmm. or our advocate. advocate. Yeah. Cool. And and so you you have this dynamic at play of mm-hmm. of this courtroom situation. But that sort of brings into question of the purpose of the law. Mm-hmm. Because in a courtroom, the way that we know whether someone is justified, uh, whether they are condemned or they are released is by the letter of the law. Right. But there's so much here that Paul says, yeah, but it's not a, it's not about the law. It's, it's you have righteousness apart from the law, which is a very confusing mm. um, idea in a, a court of law. Uh, so first I want to talk about what is the purpose yeah. of the law? And we talked about this in the series. Um, and Well, and it's actually not that different because yeah. how you know you're guilty is based on the letter of the law. Yeah. And the law reveals our guilt. Mm-hmm. It reveals the gap. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and I think that's the best way that I could 
I've been able to just to yes. wrap my mind around it is the law reveals the gap between our brokenness and God's holiness. Mm. Um, and it was always intended to reveal the gap. It was never intended to close the gap. That the law revealed a gap that only grace could close. Mm. And, you know, and... And that's not holistically the law. I mean, there was obviously ceremonial law, moral right. law. There was, you know, some of the ceremonial law were, I think, for the preservation of the nation of Israel to mm-hmm. keep them healthy. Yes. So it's like, don't eat these things and, and wash in this way and do right. this kind of stuff in order to, like, survive. Yeah. Because it's wise. It's smart. It's right. that kind of stuff. But I mean, then, they had laws like, if you have mold in your house, right. this is what you need to do to take care of it. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. What You mm-hmm. know, it, it was like. Yeah, and, you know, God had a building code, you know, and it's, there's, <laughs> there was things like for their safety the and for their, for their protection and those kinds of things. Um, and, you know, the wrestling with that is, is something that we see happening in the New Testament because yeah. that's part of the tension is, is do we, what do we follow? What we don't, what do we don't, how do mm-hmm. we treat all this kind of stuff? But in its essence that the law as revealer, mm. um, is the way I think Paul's trying to unpack it and the way I think we as followers of Jesus understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So how how should we view the law today? Um in the same in the same manner. Mm-hmm. Um I think Because obviously there are things that we do not follow. No, and well in I the think law, you, again or feel a, scripture to interpret scripture. Right, right. You know, you look at is it Acts ten? Acts 11, mm-hmm. Peter and Cornelius oh, yes. told to eat unclean things. Right, right, I mean, right. So there's yeah. the, obviously there is a freedom that we as followers of Jesus have in how we approach right. the law. And there's even this argument, then there's that letter to the to um, in the Jerusalem Council. Yes. And, and those kinds of things. And so like, you know, um, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if we should see some of those laws and, and, and consider them a little bit more for— Mm. our safety and our preservation and our health and mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. Um, but again, without boxing us into sure. a legalistic kind of kind right. of mindset. Um, but one of the things is I think we need to read it. Yes. We need to understand it. We yes. need to, again, that why and the what. Like why mm-hmm. did God say these things? Because understanding why God said it when he said it impacts what we do with it now. Yep. Uh, and that's true about a lot of things in Scripture is – you know, this whole dispensationalist, literalist, mm-hmm. just do what it says and don't question. Like, I don't think that's what God, you know, that's not what we're talking about. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, why did God say what he said when he said it? Because that that is important. That is significant. Yep. And God, no, God does not change. And God's word is eternal and it's true. And I get all those things. But you have to understand, like, you know, again, it is Romans ends with Paul saying, greet each other with a holy kiss. Mm-hmm. Do a study about the significance of that. Right. And, and you know, for a for a Herodian who's listed in there mm-hmm. to, to greet Aquila with a holy kiss, <laughs> that would have been, that was an acknowledgement of equality. Right. And love and respect. Right. And so it was much more, you know, again, reading things contextually, understanding why God said what what he said when he said it Mm -hmm. impacts what we do with it now. Yeah. Well, and so this series coincided with Lent Mm -hmm. and with our midweek live series of Genesis to Jesus. And if if any of you didn't listen to that, 
it was fantastic. Even for me to, I mean, I know that Matt and I did, we did it. And so for me to say it was fantastic <laughs> might be self-serving, but I, I thought they were such good conversations to help us see the patterns that God established yeah. from the beginning so that when the Messiah came, we wouldn't miss it. Right. And by we, I mean they. Yeah. Um, yeah. And well, and even we today reading and seeing like, this is not coincidental. This is not circumstantial that God set up these patterns. And by reading the law, mm. by reading specifically Leviticus, mm-hmm. by reading the way that God was dealing with sin in the nation of Israel, sin within the camp, the way that he set up things like the day of atonement and what that was for, that when when Paul lays this out, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it, um, like that you don't miss it, that he's saying you need to know the law so that you see that this is the way that God has set this up from the beginning. I remember sitting in my living room reading Romans 3, 21 to 26, over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Um, I'm going to be reading this in the CSB, um, but just how breathtaking mm-hmm. this one one little paragraph is in Romans 3. It says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ, to all who believe, since there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as the mercy seat by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. Mm. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and justify the one who has faith in Jesus. Mm. And there is so much there that connects back to that day of atonement, to that setup of the sacrificial system so that our sins could be atoned for. It even harkens back to Abraham and when, uh, you know, when Abraham um, enters into the covenant with God that, you know, he takes these animals and he cuts them in half and then God passes through like a torch, like through through both sides. And this idea that that God holds up both sides of the covenant, mm-hmm. that God basically provides what he requires. Yeah. And like he requires that we be justified, but he gave us the way to be justified. Right. Like he holds up both sides and we just have to accept it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that language of the mercy seat, that that's the place of of atonement, of where propitiation was made, that and those are just all the, basically the big same words that, I mean, like you're covered mm-hmm. and like, you you have been atoned for mm. and that that's knowing that law lets you see like this is how god always intended it yeah to be yeah because and you would be saying. exhausted to keep doing what <laughs> it's before you think that all this this jewish heritage is of no it's value from, whatsoever yeah. That is your, a great value your jewish heritage is the foundation that your christian faith will yeah. rest on yeah. And like that was God's intent mm-hmm. that this would be part of the foundation of yeah. your of belief. And you know, we talk about Romans wasn't an evangelistic tool. 
Paul's evangelistic tool was the Old Testament. Right. Like that's what he would use to say, mm-hmm. do you do you remember what was said here? Yeah. This is how Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Yep. Do you remember when it was was prophesied here? This is how Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Like that that was his mm-hmm. that their Jewish heritage had become a wall right. between them and Christ when it should have been stairs <laughs> to their belief and understanding of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if they just would see it properly. And yeah. that's why in, in Romans 3, when he's like, you know, before you start thinking there's no value in this, like by no means. Like this <laughs> right. Is, this is this is of utmost value when leveraged and seen in the way God intended. Yeah. Well, and then that leads us into to Romans 4. Uh, it was another place where where God or where Paul Gives us a history lesson in a lot of and, ways. Yeah, in a lot of ways that he continues to to uphold and honor the Old Testament. He doesn't demolish it. He elevates, though, what those scriptures Continuing held. Continuing to point that yes. this, this faith in Christ is not something different. It's right. not something new. Right. It's the continuation and the fulfillment of something very old. Very old, yeah. Um, because there are a lot of Jews who thought that Paul shouldn't be trusted. Yeah. You know, that yeah. that Paul's job was to basically tear down yeah. the Jewish faith. And so, you know, Paul's in a lot of ways trying to convince these Jews, like, you need to trust me mm-hmm. because I still honor this mm-hmm. and base what I believe now yeah. on what we have known and loved right. and honored for generations. Um, and so... Romans 4 is all about Abraham and how we have righteousness through faith alone. Mm. Um, And, you know, there's a lot. And this is the one that that I preached. And um, I love the story of Abraham for reasons that make me mad and reasons that I love, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Um, And the the point in... um, in chapter four that I think was so, I don't know, heart grabbing for me was um, Romans 4, 18 to 21, where it says, um, or sorry, 19, he did not weaken in the faith when he considered his own body to be already dead since he was about a hundred years old and also the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver in unbelief at God's promise but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God because he was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to do. Yeah. That there is that um, that that level of faith that, okay, God, if, if you said this is going to happen, I believe you. But then this is, and this is where I wrestle, like that, yes, Abraham doubted his and Sarah's own ability to have kids. I mean, he, it talks about like the deadness of Sarah's womb, mm-hmm. you know, in his own body. Um, but he didn't doubt God's promise and God's ability to make good. But but he didn't believe it enough to not sleep with Hagar. You <laughs> in know, that moment. In that moment. That he had a crisis. Yeah, that there, there's this crisis in, in that, you know, where we think. Or impatience, if nothing else. Yeah. Or thinking like, okay, God, is this the way that you're going to make this happen? Because. Sarah, she's never been able to have kids. And you mm-hmm. think now that she's almost 100 years old, mm-hmm. like 
obviously, God, this isn't the way. So, so I, I believe that you promised it, but maybe there's an, I'm, I have to figure out mm-hmm. the way that you're going to make good on your promise. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and I guess, so that's really what I wanted to talk about within this chapter that, um, and somehow in my message, <laughs> did it. Yeah. Um, well, at the end of the day, this, this whole portion is connected back to Paul trying to get them to properly see the law. Mm. Because his whole thing is, remember, Abraham was called righteous yeah. way, way before, before the law. law was given. Yeah. So, again, remember, somewhere along the way, y'all have elevated the law yeah. to a position that doesn't make sense. Right. Because Abraham, through whom the law would come because of his ancestry and all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, God said he was righteous, not because he kept the law, because the law didn't exist yet. Yeah. God said he was righteous because he, he trusted mm-hmm. God in the very circumstance that that you're talking about right now, yeah, in this position where y- you trusted God when you shouldn't have trusted God, when, yeah. when everything physically around you hmm. said, "I shouldn't trust God because I'm old and Sarah's womb's dead and right. all these other things," and and what I love about that is he's considered righteous even though he had even a though. crisis. And that's a reminder to us yes. that a moment of crisis does not remove the righteousness we mm. have in God through his grace, mercy, and by faith. Yeah. That he didn't, he wasn't considered unrighteous because he had a crisis. Yeah. And that's a whole nother yeah. can of worms probably you could open. But Well, but I think, you know, that it, it hits on a couple of things that one, there is that initial belief. Mm-hmm. There is that. I I believe God. I trust you, but then there's also as you as you move, as you grow in your faith, that those that trust also has to grow. Yeah, that mm-hmm. you know that you it can't just be like a okay, God. I believe that you exist. I believe Jesus died for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you have to believe what that means mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, that it can't just be about. It's not an initial thing because I think sometimes when we, we read this that we we leave it there. And I think it's true in that you are made right because of your faith. Yeah. But that faith has to continue to to work and to grow. Mm-hmm. And um you know, whether for Abraham he stopped. I don't think that he stopped believing. I think that he started trusting a human structure mm-hmm. more than a God promise. Yeah. Or that a human structure would be the thing that would fulfill. Again, it comes God's back promise. to you're trying to fulfill what God had called you to do in a way. Right. He didn't say you could. You could. Yeah. And it comes back to that same that same pattern that humanity. Yeah. God, you said I'd have a son. I'm I'm gonna go have a son. Right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go man- manifest this thing. I'm yes. gonna go manufacture it. Right. You said it. You said I was gonna have you a son. Said I was gonna have so fun. I'm gonna. Yeah. Again, it's fulfilling something in in an inappropriate way. Yeah. And with that, we need to wrap, Jasmine. What? Because I have an appointment to be at in about thirty minutes. Okay. And we are we're eighty minutes in. You guys. Three, four. This chapters. was a terrible idea. So, um, <laughs> all right. So here's what we're gonna do. Um. We are going to pick up in 
Romans 5. Yep. Um, in, a, in a next episode that we will record and release sometime in the near future. Um, so we're kind of looking at this as a Romans recap and revisit. Like yeah, we're leaning sure. back into these things. And so uh, I love preaching. I love a dialogue, a, a monologue. But there are times when this format is much more beneficial. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this, and again, this is uh, going to be on the Vintage Church podcast page. Um, go to the Vintage app, hit respond. I don't think there's one that says I listen to the Vintage Church podcast necessarily in there. There's not. But go in there and somehow find some way to respond and let us know that you're listening to this. Or and you we just would, email us. We are, yeah, just email Matt, Matt. at VintageChurch.net. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would, M-A-T-T at VintageChurch.net. And we would love to know, maybe there's things that you heard or didn't hear yeah. in our Romans series. And we want to invite you to send us some feedback. Hey, Matt, you didn't touch on this in chapter six or chapter seven or chapter eight or whatever. Mm-hmm. And as and as we kind of move forward, we'd love to field some questions and that kind of thing. And I'm okay with this being six or seven long. I mean, this because I think this is super sure. important. Yeah. Um, I think that this this letter is something God's called us to lean into, to dive into a little bit more. And so we will hit pause for now and stay tuned for new episodes of the Romans Recap here on the Venice Church Podcast as we move forward in the future. And thanks, Jasmine. This has been fun. (laughs) Thanks, Matt. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.